Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays and Wednesdays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so psyched to have Samantha Senaviratni of Love, Cake here on the show today. Sam has been a food editor at Good Housekeeping, Fine Cooking, and Martha Stewart's Everyday Food. Today, she is a freelance recipe developer and food stylist, and recently released her first cookbook called The New Sugar and Spice, a recipe for bolder baking. She was also a finalist in the 2015 Sever Blog Awards for Best Baking and Desserts blog. Sam, thanks so much for joining me here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to have you, Sam. Now, baking and sweet things. Where did your curiosity in baking and desserts come from? I think I knew I was going to be a baker from when I was a really little kid. I told my family that I was going to be a baker and a librarian when I was five. So I think I always just really, I always loved dough and sugar and butter. I've always loved working with those things. So as soon as I kind of knew that people needed jobs to keep afloat, I realized that dough was probably the way I should go. So I think it's in my blood. <laughs> Were you ever interested in the savory side of cooking? Well, I did. I mean, I went to culinary school and I studied both savory and sweet. And I worked as a food editor and in different food magazines. So in doing that, I pretty much had to do both sweet and savory. And these days I do food styling and recipe development, both sweet and savory. I do both. I love doing the baked goods. That's what I really want to do all the time. You mentioned that you've known that you were passionate about baking and dough from a very young age. When did you realize that it could be a career and that it could be something that you pursue as you want to make money? (laughs) Well, it took me a long time to figure out how I was going to do it. You know, I went to college. I went to liberal arts college. And I studied Latin American studies and Spanish literature. And then I got a job after school in public television. And I worked for a different nonprofit. And I had a bunch of other things that I was sort of directing my life towards. And then all of a sudden, I just kind of realized what I really love to do is cook. And that I should just go to culinary school and make it happen. But it took me a while to figure out how to sort of do it because I'm not really a restaurant chef. I have great respect for restaurant chefs, but that's not what I do. And I kind of knew that wouldn't be my path. So it took me a while to figure out exactly how I was going to make a living cooking. And, you know, magazine test kitchens were the place for me for a while. And that worked out well. And that's the thing, right? I mean, I think culinary school kind of guides you towards restaurant life a little bit. That's what most people do. Yeah. So how did you sort of, I guess, find your way into magazine kitchens? I had a friend who worked at Vogue magazine and she played on a soccer team with an editor at Gourmet magazine. So I told her I was interested in food and she said, well, why don't you meet this guy? He's a food editor at Gourmet. And he took me on a tour of the Gourmet test kitchen and sort of showed me what he did. And I thought, that looks like a good job. That looks like exactly where I should be. So after that visit with him, I went to culinary school, and that's what I did. Well, was there someone who really encouraged you in your baking journey? Oh, gosh, so many people. Everybody helps. I mean, everybody wants to taste test, right? So 
so many people. I don't even know how to answer that question. So many editors that I've worked with and food stylists and chefs. And, you know, I think it's a pretty nice community of generous people willing to help each other out. Do you have any particular food heroes? Oh, my gosh. I mean, the baking heroes like Dory Greenspan and David Leibovitz. And there's so many. Rose Levy, Fairbaum. There's so many baking stars. So many classics. If you had the chance to bake for one of these baking heroes of yours, what would you make them? Well, I'm really into fried dough. Lately, I've been really making donuts. And just this morning, we made apple fritters and funnel cake. And I think fried dough is sort of where I, what I'm really feeling these days. It's not good for you, but it's fun to make. And it always tastes good and everybody loves fried dough. <laughs> and the thing is, the difference when you fry it and then eat it right out of the oil, you know, toss it in sugar and then eat it, it's a whole other ballgame. It's so much more delicious than anything you could ever buy, you know, because it's the timing thing, right? You get it right when it's perfect. So I'd probably make some fried dough of some kind. Is there something baked that you love that you've never made for yourself? I have made croissant and queen amon and things like that. I've made them. I think they take a lot of practice to get perfect. And so I would not say that my croissant game is perfect yet. So I would prefer to just buy those somewhere where I know they'll be wonderful. I don't make those at home. <laughs> but they're not as good as the ones that you can buy. Well, your blog, Love, Comma, Cake, what drew you to start writing and documenting about your baking? Well, I wanted to get more of a online presence that was sort of just me. You know, I was working at different magazines, and I love working in magazine test kitchens because you're really a part of a team, and you're all sort of creating this food in this vision and under this brand name. But so I wanted to sort of have a body of work that was mine and that I could contribute to, and that was 100% my voice, you know, just sort of exactly what I wanted to make whenever I wanted to make it. And so that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, I guess with your blog, you have ultimate freedom to do whatever you want. Totally you, which means that you also take the fall if something's not so good. But I think I just was kind of craving a place where I could have complete control over everything I did. So that means any whim that I had, I just sort of was able to do it. Well, for a home cook like myself, baking and making desserts can be a bit intimidating. Are there some good online resources or books that you found that are good for beginners? Yeah, I actually think that food magazines, if you're careful about the ones that you go to, are really good sources for beginning cooks because they are very explicit. The directions are always very clear. The recipes are very well tested. There's teams of people testing and researching and writing. So I think that those... You know, with books, you kind of don't know what the process of the author is, and you don't know their tone, and every author sort of writes however much information they feel like is necessary to include. And sometimes that's a lot, and sometimes it's not enough. So I think that if you go to a food, I think food magazines are actually a really good place to start. I used to work for Fine Cooking Magazine, and I think they are so smart because the recipes, while sometimes they're complicated, they're so well explained, and they're so well tested. So I think you can really go into it with confidence, knowing that the recipe is going to work and it's going to be delicious if you just follow the directions explicitly. So I think magazines and places like that are kind of a good place to start. Are there some simple rules of thumb in baking that 
we need to remember to ensure a greater chance of baking success? Yes, there's a lot of them. I mean, I think people are more scared of baking than they need to be. I think there's a little more flexibility than people think there are. There is, and I think that you know things could vary slightly depending on how warm your butter is or something like that. But your disasters are kind of rare, right? So, I mean, you know, measuring flour is important. Temperatures are important. I mean, I think measuring flour is kind of number one. Once you learn how to measure flour, things are going to improve greatly. Or get a scale, also a really good way to go. I think one thing for me is like when I bake something, I always kind of do it on a whim, and I have like ice cold, like refrigerator cold eggs, and that kind of messes things up all the time. <laughs> you can totally warm them up. You know, there are little tricks like you know about. You can keep your eggs in some warm water, and that'll heat them up. Or you can even if you crack them into a bowl. And then let them sort of warm up that way. That also works. And you know, you can warm up your butter by pounding it with a rolling pin, or sometimes I even microwave it on a low, like on twenty percent power, fifty percent power. You can warm your butter up, which a lot of people don't recommend because it's easy to go from cold butter to melted butter, and then you're kind of screwed. But you can do it. It works. But I think you know, I think measuring flour is kind of number one. Well. If you're having a really busy day and you're too tired to make something, do you have a go-to dessert that you would just run off to the grocery and buy? No, <laughs> I'm lucky. I live in New York City and I live near some really stellar bakeries. So there are some things. There's a little bakery right by my house that has really delicious croissants. So I would buy them from there. But in general, I think you know a homemade muffin is so delicious. And so easy to make, or you know, a homemade chocolate chip cookie takes very little effort, and it's going to be so much better than the things that you can buy. So in general, I would just make things. But you know what? You can always buy ice cream. Ice cream is always good to buy, and everybody loves it. And you don't have to make it; it's still good. Sam, you recently wrote a cookbook called "The New Sugar and Spice: A Recipe for Bolder Baking." Now. How did you come to write a cookbook? It was a long process. <laughs> I mean, I probably started a proposal for that book four years ago. It took me a long time to write the proposal. I wrote a proposal for a book I wasn't that happy with, and then I scrapped it, and then wrote a new proposal. And it took a long time to get the proposal in good shape. And then I, you know, shopped around with agents. And then she helped me work on the proposal, and then we pitched the book. I mean, it's a long process, but I kind of always had the dream of writing a cookbook. So just find the book that felt right, and it took me a long time to get there. I think I did. I like it. Well, can you talk a little bit about your book and what it's about? It's basically a baking book, and I use spices. And the chapters of the book are all organized by spice. And the general idea of the book is that I try to use a little less sugar. I don't like overly sweet desserts, and I think that it's easy to fall into that trap. I think sugar can kind of be a crutch. So I tried to develop recipes that were sort of a little bit less sweet, and sort of used spices to amp up the flavor in a more complex and interesting way. That's not to say they're low sugar or diet or anything like that, but they seem to me to be a little less sweet and a little more interesting. And then I also wrote a lot of history. I sort of got into researching the. History of certain spices and how that related a little bit to my family history because my parents are from Sri Lanka 
and that is one of the original homes of, and so as I started digging into the history of cinnamon, I realized that my great-grandmother grew clove trees in her yard, and my great-grandfather grew vanilla beans, and I sort of learned that my family's history was sort of intertwined with spices in a fun way, so I learned a lot about that. Well, it sounds like such a rewarding experience beyond even just the baking for you than this cookbook. Very personal. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to sort of tell a little bit more story. So I had fun writing the intros that were all about spice history and my family history and having really personal head notes about my parents and my brother and things like that. That felt unique and fun and special to me because as a food editor for magazines, you don't ever get to just write about yourself or write about why you like something or write about, you know, you don't get that opportunity very often. And so I took it in the book. Well, you mentioned that it was a really long process. Would you do it again? I would love to do it again. Oh my gosh, I would love to. I mean, now that I'm a little bit away, you know, it's been about six months or almost a year since I finished. So now in retrospect, it sounds really fun to do another one. But yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. I have another book coming out. That one's already done. It's called Gluten Free for Good. So this book that's coming out, it's, it's all gluten-free. It's not just baked goods. It's all kinds of food. It's more of a service-y, you know, weeknight dinner kind of cookbook. And that comes out next year. But I'd really love to do another baking book if I'm lucky. We'll see. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely be on the lookout for the gluten-free book coming out in 2016. Yeah. I can't believe it's happening. Everything's so fast. I can't even believe that my book is out. I mean, it's been such a long, long time in the works. I can't believe it's already here. Right. Well, it must be such a relief, but also you must feel so happy. <laughs> yes, I will feel really happy if people like it. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> then I will be relieved. Well, here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe the story behind the dish? Sure. I mean, I have a couple recipes for players on my website. I am really into eclairs and they're special to me because I have such a clear memory of my family taking a trip to Paris when I was a little kid. And, you know, we went and saw the Mona Lisa and we went and saw the Eiffel Tower. We saw all these things, but really the only thing I ever wanted to do was eat eclairs. I wanted eclairs every single day. It was my favorite thing in Paris. And that was just a really fun family trip, the four of us together. So I think that is one of my favorite things and will always sort of hold, I'll have a special place in my heart. And I have a couple recipes on my website. And actually, even though they look fancy, eclairs are very easy to make. And people are impressed when you make them. When I see them, I'm always like, how did they make those? I mean, they look way too complicated for me to even try. They're so easy. They're so easy and they look really fancy. I mean, mine are probably a little more rustic than the perfect ones you find in the French pizzeria, but... I think anybody can make them at home. And actually, you don't need very many. There are like no specialty ingredients necessary to make a good eclair, a good simple eclair. You just need a piping bag. That's the one specialty ingredient or specialty tool that you need, a piping bag. You do have Well, let's say that you were to make these eclairs that you love and you could invite three famous people over to share them with. Who would you invite to share them with? I really love Car Talk. Do you know that show on NPR? I mean, it's not on anymore, but I really love Car Talk, and I love the two hosts of Car Talk so much. So I would invite those two over because I think they would be really fun. And then I think maybe just those two Car Talk guys and me would be pretty fun. 
I think those are geniuses, and they're so funny and fun. So awesome. Well, let's say that you had them over. What movie would you pair with your eclairs? I really love the movie Step Up. It's a really cheesy dancing movie, and I love it. So maybe that movie. <laughs> Perfect. Sam, I call the next part of the dinner special podcast the pressure cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? <laughs> okay. Yes, I'm up for it. Okay. Awesome. Number one: Which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? I don't have cable television, so I don't watch any of them. Okay. Cool. Number two. What are some food blogs or websites we have to know about? I have a lot of food blogs that I love. It's going to be hard to list them. I love Brooklyn Supper, and I love Two Red Bulls, and I love the Faux Martha. Those are three right now. I'll tell you that I love. <laughs> Great, that's a perfect start. Number three: Who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat that make you happy? The only thing I do out of all those things is Instagram. So I think I would say I think David Leibovitz is really funny, and his Instagram account makes me laugh. Number four: What is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? I have a little dowel that I got at a hardware store. I had them cut it down so it's like a four-inch dowel. I don't know what they're for when you buy them at the hardware store, but I use it to roll out little pastries, and I love it. It's like the most useful tool in the world. And it was like a dollar. <laughs> Number five: Name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love. I'm into aniseed now, and I didn't think I was into it before. Actually, the book writing that book, I have a couple recipes for aniseeds in a biscotti and in a pear tart, and I think they're both delicious. I've really come around on aniseed. Yeah, what was it before that sort of you didn't like about the aniseeds? Well, I hate licorice, you know, like so many people. But I didn't realize that if you use aniseed sparingly and you pair it with something delicious, you know, it can work in combination with other things. I just hadn't figured that out yet, but I like. Great. Number six. What are a few cookbooks that make your life better? Regan Daly's In the Sweet Kitchen is one of my all-time favorite books in the whole world. I think that book is super smart. There's a lot of information at the beginning. It's sort of a baking compendium, and there's there are glossaries and flavor pairing charts and things like that that make baking really easy and sort of inspire you to do good things. And then the second half of the book is all these wonderful recipes. I think that book is genius. That Book makes my life better. And finally, number seven: What song or album just makes you want to cook? Oh my gosh, anything! I mean, I just like Beyonce and Taylor Swift and all those guys. That kind of music, I love it. Perfect. Well, congratulations, Sam. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. <laughs> Sam. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special podcast. You're on social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted on what you're up to? Instagram, probably. You can find me at at Samantha Senevaratna is my handle, and you can follow me there, or you can sign up to receive all updates on my blog, Love Comic Geek. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Sam. It's been a pleasure. I hope you had a good time. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. 
Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.